0: Paying too much for health insurance? Frustrated by high deductibles, network restrictions, and increasing premiums? There's a better way. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM is a Christian community delivering a robust, faith-based solution to the high cost of healthcare. If your current health insurance has become more of a racket than a remedy, take back control of your healthcare at around half the price. Learn more and enroll today at chministries.org. That's chministries.org.
1: It has been 100 years since Congress voted on multiple ballots to elect a Speaker of the House. And before 1923, it hadn't happened since just before the Civil War.
2: And this is why just having a narrow majority in the House of Representatives is such a problem for Kevin McCarthy. If he had a big 40, 50 seat seat majority, which is what we thought uh, he might have, at least some Republicans predicted that, uh, he would be in much better shape.
1: Now, former minority leader, Congressman Kevin McCarthy faces multiple rounds of votes falling short as 19 Republicans opposing McCarthy continuously vote for Congressman Jim Jordan and potentially others. Right now, just Jim Jordan. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, anchor of the story, host of the Untold Story podcast, Martha McCallum, senior Axios political correspondent, Josh Kraschauer, and Republican strategist and former campaign manager for Senator Scott Brown, Colin Reed. Martha, you just got off the air. It is fascinating to watch. It really is. It's it's kind of like a train wreck, but it's still fascinating.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, for political reporters and people who cover elections, this is a fascinating minute-by-minute minute thing to watch. And to watch Jim Jordan stand up and nominate Kevin McCarthy, and we just saw Steve, Calise, Steve Scalise excuse me, stand up and nominate Kevin McCarthy, and yet these two people, you watch them and you wonder, do they harbor any desires of their own for this position? I mean, who wouldn't? Who's dedicated their lives to being members of the House of Representatives? Kevin McCarthy's wanted this for a long time. He hit a big roadblock in 2015. Uh, Some unfortunate comments kind of pushed him to the side of that equation. And Paul Ryan reluctantly stepped in and took over as Speaker of the House. So really anything can happen. I mean, in the past, it's always been organized enough before we got to this stage. But I think having covered politics, especially over the window of the last six years we've become used to things not happening or unfolding as we think they're going to so this is becoming more more typical than atypical Brett mm-hmm. uh, as we watch what we're seeing unfold here it's fascinating
1: yeah Josh at Jordan's speech on the floor uh, nominating Kevin McCarthy seemed to be less effective well it was less effective for Kevin McCarthy than it was for Jordan consolidating the 19 votes Um, The question is where we go from here, as we mentioned, 100 years since the second ballot. But it's been so 1856. They went to 133 ballots from December 3rd to February 2nd before they had a speaker of the House. One thinks that we're not going to get that many ballots, but we may get a few more.
0: Brett, we could be here for a long time because there really doesn't seem to be likely path for Kevin McCarthy to get to that 218 uh, magic number to get to the majority. And look, I I think a lot of Republicans expected five, six, seven holdouts. There were five hard-nosed, but but some other skeptics within the conference. But for 19 Republicans on those first two ballots to vote for other Republicans than Kevin McCarthy is, is a real blow to his speakership odds. And it shows that it's not just the hardliners, but there there's a broader lineup of of right wing Republicans who don't trust Kevin McCarthy. There, there are a lot of there's a lot of disconnect between certain members. It's a small faction, but it's enough to really give McCarthy these these headaches. And he, he needs to win all but four votes to to get to the finish line, and he doesn't appear to be close to that number right now.
1: Colin, I'm going to read two things. One is Larry Hogan, now former. Republican uh, governor of Maryland he tweets today's dysfunction in Washington is more evidence that the divide in our party Isn't about policy or ideology It's between those who want to win and get common-sense conservative results and those who want to be a performance Act at the circus. There's one side. Here's the other side. This is from Lauren Boebert uh, and Matt Gates about McCarthy. While he claimed to offer fair and equal representation for conservatives on all House committees, when we provided specific names willing to serve on each as he requested, he balked. We asked him for firm commitments on concrete policies for the benefit of the American people. When asked to promise votes on one, a balanced budget, two, the Fair Tax Act, three, the Texas border plan, four, term limits for members of Congress, he refused. We requested transparent, accountable votes on individual earmarks that would require two-thirds support to pass and to ensure that all amendments to cut spending would be allowed floor consideration. He dismissed it. We demanded that he cease his efforts to defeat competitive conservative candidates in open Republican primaries. He denied it. Kevin McCarthy had an opportunity to be Speaker of the House. He rejected it. So there's two sides. Uh, Colin, what do you think?
2: Well, Brett, yeah, it's no secret at this point that 2022 was a disappointment for Republicans everywhere. Uh, despite a president with approval ratings closer to 40 than 50 and deep data, deep dissatisfaction with the direction of the country, those big wins that many were forecasting and predicting uh, in election night never materialized. And 2023 is unfortunately for Republicans starting off uh, as an extension of that, and the chaos that's unfolding right now is a byproduct. Uh, of what happened in in the last election cycle, because if Republicans had a bigger majority in the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy wouldn't find himself necessarily in the predicament that he's in. And there's a lot of blame to go around. There's a lot of finger pointing to be assigned. And Kevin McCarthy's got his fair share of detractors in in this town. Uh, But it's unfair to blame him for the results of what happened last cycle. Uh, He raised a ton of money. $500 $500 million all told. He traveled across the country. He worked his tail off to help some of these uh, candidates who are now turned against him get elected in races they had no business uh, being in close races. And uh, now, now this is the thanks he gets. And look, if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, winning back the House was no small feat. 2022 election was a disappointment, yes, but winning back the House was a big deal. And this was the chance for Republicans to hold the Biden administration accountable for all the things that conservatives are unhappy about, whether it's the border, whether it's the withdrawal in Afghanistan, whether what's happening with the pandemic and the policies around Dr. Fauci. This House majority was supposed to be the oversight tool, uh, and now uh, they've fallen into this into this day of chaos and peril to ensure that the limelight will focus on them and not President Biden and not the untested Democrat, House Democrats. So it's disappointing to be sure, and uh, it's a it's an extension of the 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 disappointing year that last year was.
1: Yeah Martha we we mentioned that obviously in 1856 they didn't have wall to wall TV coverage. But you know those images of Democrats, specifically Hakeem Jeffries, getting two hundred and twelve votes every time and McCarthy falling short of that number at 203 is I mean, its own message, really. They can keep everything together and Republicans can't.
3: I mean, they can barely express their, you know, repress their glee. They're very excited today. Um, You know, Republicans have the same sort of uh, enthusiasm when they see inner fighting on the Democrat side. There were challenges to Nancy Pelosi as, as speaker, Um, you know, throughout, people saying that she needed to move on, that they needed fresh blood. She had Tim Ryan run uh, against her at points, and she's had a lot of pushback from the squad. So I think you're seeing that on the other side of the table, although you're seeing it play out for Republicans in a very unfortunate and public way throughout the course of this. Um, I do think that there's a lot of hangover from the midterm elections, and that hangover is also related to the former President Trump. So it's all connected, Mm -hmm. you know, to this very strong undercurrent that wants to see real reform, that wants to see the establishment sort of taken down and broken apart and wants to kind of bust the system. And I think that's the emotion that is behind this. I think there are people who look at it and say, good, you know, let them all slug it out. Let let them express their opinions. Let Jim Jordan get up there and, um, you know, have his shot at it as well. So I, I just find it fascinating, though, if you're watching a movie or casting the movie, you've got these people who are nominating the person mm-hmm. who, for, you know, to win. And yet they're the person that these other folks are saying, well, that would be palatable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you also have a question about moderate Republicans and what they would do if it, if, if Jim Jordan has the gravitas. Is, is Steve Scalise somebody, perhaps, who could keep everybody under the tent. Um, But these are going to become real questions if this goes past the next few ballots and McCarthy will have to reevaluate his position.
1: Yeah. And what's important to point out and all of this is ongoing, Josh, is that this is all based on 218 being the magic number. But you get some people to leave that floor. Okay, let's say there's 10 people of the 19 who decide to walk out. Okay, now you have nine votes for Jordan, but the magic number then goes down to 424 half of that is 212 Now That's the number that Hakeem Jeffries has mm-hmm. So I mean you have to keep everybody on the floor otherwise yeah. Hakeem Jeffries if he keeps all his people there could get the number. I don't I'm not sure everybody understands all of that in Yeah, the Republican and this could going
0: on for some time and you have you have you have you have a lot of exhausted uh, members that could be there with their families. Uh, the math could get very very volatile at, 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 if we do have multiple ballots. If we keep going on for for several hours, uh, it's also a symbolic blow. I think just to see Hakeem Jeffries on the day of the leadership vote come on top even though he doesn't have a majority the simple fact that he has more votes than kevin mccarthy even though this should be a joyous moment for house republicans they won the house majority they have the basically the exact same majority size as nancy pelosi did two years ago this should be a celebration like the fact that not only is this seen as sort of a uh, you know, a moment that Democrats are cheering more than Republicans. But the fact that you can't even get a leader uh, for the party, it, it just is, is not a good way to start this this new Congress. And it, 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 it raises the possibility that not a whole lot of policy, uh, no matter who is speaker uh, on the Republican side, uh, ends up getting passed in the next couple of
1: years. Colin, you have one person who's declared running for president. Martha mentioned him, former President Donald Trump. There's no indication that he's really put his finger on the scale there was some reporting that he made some calls from mccarthy but definitely hasn't been public
2: yeah it's way, been striking form. yeah it's been striking watching the coverage today brett his his name has been more absent from the conversation than it might have been in in years or months past uh and that could be a sign of where the republican party is is hoping to go in in the years ahead and you mentioned uh, the quote from Governor Hogan. And there's a bunch of uh, men and women who are uh, hoping to run for president in a couple of years who are uh, watching this play out and figuring out how they can uh, use it for their own political advantage as the presidential race uh, begins to, to kick off. And the House Republican majority, whenever this sorts itself out, that will be until 2024, at least the only governing body uh, that the Republicans have uh, on on the national stage. The, the White House will be run by Democrats, as will the Senate. And if you look back to another midterm of years past, 2010, when Republicans won back the House, but they didn't win back the Senate, uh, the incoming House Republican majority then was very loud. They were very boisterous. It was a much larger majority. Uh, and President Obama and his team were able to use their House Republican majority as a foil uh, in their re-election effort and make life complicated for Mitt Romney. So you can bet there's a lot of people right now who are trying to figure out how to put their chess piece on this board. But uh, right now, uh, you do so at your own peril because of how tenuous and unpredictable and how uncertain the whole situation is.
1: Yeah. Speaking of uncertainty, obviously, this is all happening on the House floor the same day that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is sworn in for the second time. And in his speech, he said, quoting here, Florida was a refuge of sanity, a refuge of freedom. We chose to navigate the boisterous sea of liberty rather than cower in the calm docks of despotism. I mean, it's kind of lofty language for a second term Um, acceptance I guess inauguration but um, here he is on the same day that the house looks in chaos uh, saying that Florida is not chaotic
3: well it's a good moment and a bad moment for him because he's getting stepped on by what's going on in Capitol Hill because we we all probably would have carried a a chunk of that speech today we played a quick soundbite of it today because obviously it's an important moment when you look towards 2024 and he's making this inaugural address You know, on the other hand, it does draw out the notion, watching what's going on on the the Hill, that there's a lack of leadership, right? That there's not some strong magnetic figure like a Sam Rayburn or a Tip O'Neill that can corral everybody or Mm -hmm. even a Nancy Pelosi, right? So there's this vacuum of leadership that's existing and playing out on Capitol Hill right now for Republicans. And here's the governor in Florida basically saying, you know, I'm a strong leader. Look at how I've run my my state. Look at how you know Florida has become this. You know he likes to call it the this, this Freedom State or the Freedom State of Florida and all of that. So, um, you know he's got time. He has to start this second term. He's got to produce something in that second term, um, but he can kind of sit back in that leadership role in Florida and watch all of this play out and pick his moment. Um, I think everybody expects that he will. It's just a question of when he will and what kind of decisions the former president, Donald Trump, will make in light of all of that in the coming mm-hmm. months as well. I would just mention one other thing about the Hakeem Jeffries and the present vote. Matt Gates indicated that he would be, ha- he's like, I'd be happy with Hakeem Jeffries. He would be okay with that, right? So does he start the, <laughs> the band to stay home? Does he walk out and say, you know, that he could live with that? He, I mean, the suggestion that he could live with that over, um, over Kevin McCarthy is uh, an interesting one, but he did sort of floated that out there a little bit earlier today. Yeah, he could also
1: live with not being on a committee.
3: Exactly. (laughs) You know, or somebody could just shut the doors and say nobody's leaving, everybody's going to vote, and um, you need to be held accountable. So we'll see what happens with that present vote. But lowering the the number for the majority by leaving is a calculation that um, could clearly come into play here.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. Josh, what about just big picture, 30,000 feet? You have this battle. I mean, DeSantis doesn't really fit the traditional establishment. If anything, he leans more uh, to the, the Trump side of the equation. Um, but here he is outside. Um, but there is still this battle inside the party uh, for control. And, you know, how does it get resolved before twenty four? Or does it? Does it play out again? It seems like that division cost Republicans uh, several seats in which, uh, you know, poor candidate choices made for ugly elections in the general.
0: The one connection I see with DeSantis's leadership and soaring inauguration uh, speech today versus what's going on in Washington is that the Republican who's going to lead the party going forward both at the presidential level and the congressional level, is going to be someone who can both win over the establishment side of the party and the MAGA conservative populist side of the party. And right now there's a gaping divide between those two factions. We're seeing it right now on on Capitol Hill. But there are a lot of figures within the party. DeSantis is probably the most prominent one who is broadly supported by trump fans and is also supported by more traditional republicans and you know i think if if mccarthy doesn't get to 218 we'll see what happens but i think his successor is going to be someone in the house republican conference who can both be satisfactory to the pro-mccarthy votes which is the vast majority right now of the party but also the holdouts who are much more uh, aligned with the Freedom Caucus, so there there are there have to for the Republican Party to succeed and and hold on to this you know majority they did win the popular vote in the House uh, elections uh, even though they didn't didn't win as many seats as they hoped to win but whoever is going to be able to hold that coalition going forward is someone who has support on both wings of the Republican Party.
1: There's just a lot of political analysts, Colin, that look at this and say it's hard hard to believe that one the Republicans didn't win more seats. In this current environment, with inflation where it is, with the border, with crime, uh, with other concerns, the White House is still dealing with questions about 7,000 illegal immigrants coming across the border every day uh, and still saying that the border is secure. And yet it's the Republicans who are painted as this chaotic force uh, because of what's happening publicly. So last word, how do you think this ends in the House and and what it means for legislating?
2: Yeah, right. Going back to the DeSantis model for a second here, he he was always the silver lining coming out of 2022. Uh, when you got asked about how bad the election was for Republicans, you always had DeSantis to point to and his 20 point win. And it was it was an undeniable win. And it might just set up the dynamic of a couple of things. One, the inside versus outside Contrast, it's always better to be running outside from DC and crusading on those in the Capitol, even if they're your own party. It's the reason outsiders tend to do so well in the Republican party. You look to the George W. Bush model of 2000, uh, when he just became that runaway freight train because everyone just mobilized behind him because they were sick of the Clinton years, they were sick of losing, and they wanted to get behind one candidate who just shown the way forward in, in a state like Texas. Uh, Florida could be a similar model. Certainly a lot of pressure on a guy like DeSantis who's never been tested on the national stage, and he's about to find, find out what that's like, and once he starts taking punches from the national uh, press and, the, and his national opponents, that's when we'll see what his medal is. But the the, the other silver lining coming out of this election was, uh, it almost Almost guaranteed that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee again, or he's certainly going to try. And the economy is is heading in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Many still think of recessions on the way. The market had a terrible year last year. The border's wide open, and perhaps worst of all, they don't even acknowledge it's an issue. And then over Christmas, uh, they just signed into law a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Uh, that's certainly not going to help inflation. So the two things going for the Republicans right now uh, are not in the House of Representatives. They're, they're, it's an outsider candidate, whether it's Ron DeSantis or someone else, being able to make the clear contrast against a guy like Joe Biden, who is uh, appears poised to be the Democratic nominee uh, in a couple of short years, which a few months ago seemed unthinkable.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we're taping this as this these votes are continuing. Um, Congressman Ted Lieu, Democrat, uh, has a picture in front of his office saying about to go to the House floor with a a bag of popcorn. Um, And it now looks like McCarthy is going to fall short on a third ballot. Um, Congressman Byron Donalds from Florida flipped his vote from McCarthy to Jim Jordan. Um, So maybe it's 20 now. Maybe it's 21. Uh, This you just don't know at some point his allies are going to say okay we we need to move because we're looking silly
3: i mean that's the first flip that we've seen of somebody who was was mccarthy now going to jordan and i think you're going to see more t- more tugging in in that direction before this is done uh, it's a it's a brutal process that's playing out right now but it is politics at its most raw and uh you know, it, and it's it's. I think it's it's interesting when you look at a situation so often, it's easier to sort of figure out what the outcome will be. But this one, I, I haven't run into anybody yet who knows how this whole thing ends.
1: And then you have the Republican congressman-elect from New York, Josh, who is under the scrutiny, uh, the Santos guy.
3: He was sitting alone in the back, according to one uh, one account that I read. And
1: he has not been sworn in yet. He may have some issues to come. Uh, but he is a firm McCarthy vote as of this point.
0: He is. a It was a McCarthy vote. He seems like uh, he's not going to get a whole lot of scrutiny until the leadership fight is resolved among Republicans. But it, it's, it's remarkable that almost every aspect of George Santos's life story is made up. It, it was falsified during the campaign. And. He has a rap sheet, uh, even got into legal trouble back when he lived in Brazil many years ago. So no one really knows who this guy is. There are questions about how he raised his campaign money, who was donating to his campaigns, how money left, how how he spent some of the campaign money. Uh, There there are going to be a lot more shoes to drop uh, with George Santos. I I, I think there's going to be enough pressure at some point this year for him to step down and spark a New election in that district, which would be another blow to whoever becomes speaker, because we're already dealing with a a very narrow majority that would cut the Republican uh, margin even even thinner.
1: Yeah, it's if you're a Republican, this is not a, a great day. Uh, as we wrap up here, Kevin McCarthy is going to get fewer votes in the third ballot than he did in the first, um, and that is not heading in the right direction. We'll see how long this lasts. Um, Eventually, there will be a Speaker of the House. We just don't know who it will be. Thank you all. Uh, Now for a bit of history. On January 3rd, 1985, Mitch McConnell was first sworn in as the junior senator from Kentucky. McConnell has served in the Senate ever since, now currently in his seventh term. On January 3rd, 2003, he became Senate Majority Whip. Uh, 2007, he became Senate Minority Leader. And January 3rd, 2015, he became Senate Majority Leader after Republicans took back the Senate in 2014 midterm elections. Today, he faces a significantly smoother path to becoming the leader of his conference than his House counterpart, Representative Kevin McCarthy, as we've just been talking about. Uh, We'll see what happens next. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Colin, Josh, and Martha, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.